I'm here with uh, Cassandra Jennings, President and CEO of the Greater Sacramento Urban League. Thank you again for, for the time today, and, uh, and thank you for coming out and being a part of our Healing and Ethnically Wounded Nation series a few months ago. It was really, really great to have you out there. It was really great to be there, and um, energy and enthusiasm and wealth of knowledge there was um, encouraging. Now, uh, your your presentation was was amazing, and that I felt like uh, you took about an hour or two hours worth of information about what the Urban League does, and managed to just give us all of these highlights in the, the 10 or 12 minute time slot that, that you have, which was really, really remarkable. Um, but for those who are unfamiliar with the, the Greater Sacramento Urban League, can you give us an overview of what kind of work it is that you do? Yes, the Greater Sacramento Urban League has been around for 50 years in the region. Uh, It's part of a larger network that's been around over 100 years, and it's a civil rights organization, and particularly in Sacramento, we provide underserved youth and adults with education, job training, and placement opportunities for them to achieve economic self-reliance. And so simply put, we educate, empower, and employ. Uh, We have a high school diploma program. We have training for youth on career pathways and internships, and we provide career tech education, such as a janitorial program and a computer skills training to better prepare people to get um, good gainful work. Um, In sort of the um, employment side, we have a full-service job center open to anyone to come in. Uh, We do an assessment. We can provide individual services or basic services. So you can get on the computer. You can print out your resume. We can help you write a resume. Uh, We do an assessment of you, and if you need more individualized um, services, we provide those. We do mock interviews. Uh, We help um, uh, prepare you for every aspect of the interview. And then on the other side, we work with the employer, and so we end up connecting the employer with the employee uh, with the opportunity that they will that the employee the job seeker will then get the job and then the empowerment sort of covers a number of things all around still the second um, economic self-reliance is that we do housing counseling and home ownership uh, work because that supports the stability of either an individual or family and certainly helps to build wealth Um, so we do a lot of work around that and then health equity where we work with uh, particularly the black child legacy to help uh, prevent some of the things that causes African-American children to die two and three times more than their counterparts. And then sort of that comes all in the empowerment and then obviously we address equity. Uh, We used to talk a lot about equality but now it's really like equity. Um, It's equality and equity, and so we do a lot of policy work and reform work and really looking to make sure that there's equitable um, access to services and to opportunities in mm-hmm. underserved communities. So we, we're located in the county of Sacramento, in North Sacramento, but we serve a six-county region. Wow. Uh, and now, for those for those who don't know a little bit about about you, how long have you been with the the Urban League, and then what's your what's your background? 
I've been here at the Urban League, and I'm starting my third year as the president and CEO, but I'm no stranger to the movement. I was actually on a board of an urban of the Urban League in the Bay Area about 30-some years ago, and is supporting the Urban League here in our community and the work that they've been doing. I really come from a local government background, uh, all a lot of it here in Sacramento region, so I love this community and support it. I work with redevelopment, revitalizing underserved communities, uh, a lot about the bricks and mortar and the, the building and the infrastructure of those communities, but also serving those people for about 20 years. And then in, with the city of Sacramento in the city manager's office and Mayor Johnson's office um, for six or, no, about 10, totally, like over 10 years. Wow. Now, uh, just briefly, talking about leadership of the, uh, the the Urban League, we're recording this on September 27th. I saw some pictures on Facebook yesterday that uh, you got a new board member who might be familiar uh, to our listeners yesterday. And we are so excited to have Bishop Parnell Lovelace join our board. Um, one, he is a stellar leader, um, certainly in the faith community, but throughout the region. And we feel that it's important to have him because our board is really the leadership to really make sure that we are serving our community well, that we are bringing in all of the community, and that the dialogue at our table is not one-sided when we're trying to make decisions, but multifaceted so that we can make the best decision that we can to serve the community. So we were so honored that he was able to accept and make the time um, to really help us improve our communities in a sustainable way. Yeah, it seems like a just a wonderful, wonderful move for for everybody involved. So that's uh, that's exciting. Yes. Um, uh, now, when you, I mean, you have a, a very unique position in terms of your view of the city and the region. You're involved in so many different things. As you look at what's going on in Sacramento and in our region right now, uh, even just as a, as a, you know, not in the city proper, but as a resident of the region, it seems like a very kind of exciting time and energizing time in this area, uh, but also a time that's not without its challenges. Um, from your perspective, what are you excited about and what is concerning to you? Well, I'm excited that the region is growing and the city of Sacramento is having um, is expanding and growing as well. Um, I'm excited that Sacramento is becoming a very livable community for many, many people. And the economic clusters are growing. Uh, the, the hospitals, the universities are expanding, and there are more and more services and opportunities. There's arts and entertainment. And you can see, even just going around, there's more transportation opportunities and options, even bike trails. Uh, not that I ride a lot of bikes for transportation, but I do like the idea that um, we can get from here to there and um, safely, more safely, with bike lanes and, and trails through um, using the bicycle. And then because I I spent a lot of time in urban development, um, I like the fact that downtown is starting to rebound, which means overall for our economy, just more and more jobs. 
so, and and I think without the in, throughout the region, we see the opportunities. Of course, the economy is good, and um, and our community is sort of um, uh, showing that it's taking full advantage of a good economy. Yeah, no, that's certainly the the signs of that are evident, and it's uh, it's exciting to see. Now, I wanted to ask you specifically um, about the Bill Black movement that has gained quite a bit of momentum in, in the last year. I, I mentioned to you when you were out at, at Bridgeway that just their partnership with the Sacramento Kings, I being someone who pays probably too much attention to, to NBA basketball, I, I learned a lot about Bill Black through that. Um, it seems like a very important movement in our city. For, for those who are maybe unfamiliar uh, with it, what are some of the goals of the movement and what kind of progress have you seen? Right, um, and and I think to your earlier point about how I'm excited about the region. At the same time, I do have those con- some concerns that um, disparities are growing on every front. That when you look at health, access, and equity and outcomes, uh, particularly when you look at um, there's disparities and by where you live and the color of your skin. If you look at education, uh, by ethnicity and by groups. You by race, we're still looking at um, a huge disparities that are growing, and then even at housing. And I can give you some examples of that um, maybe later if we have time. But I, I think then uh, having that, and then you come to the Bill Black, and the Bill Black, while it's about it's a response to a specific incident where Stefan Clark was an unmanned black black man was killed at the hands of a police officer. Um, It's hardly about that, but it's about uh, the disparities and the some of the communities that are suffering from trauma that I think we need to address. And so the Bill Black movement has come out of that moment of that... um, horrific and horrible incident uh, to a movement that would provide a coalition that would be proactive investment and radical change in black communities. Because it's one thing to acknowledge that something has happened. It's another thing to say, let's take something that's an action that's going to be sustainable and 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 transformational over time so that we don't find ourselves in this situation again. And so the Build Black movement then becomes it it was sort of a it's a coalition of many voices. Many voices that says, let's take this moment and let's make a movement. And so we feel that by working with our community, with the public sector, with the private sector, with philanthropic sector and leaders, that we can create a better way to improve, one, community policing, two, to develop and engage youth, and then to create healthy and vibrant communities, I'm going to say for all people, because I've already described to you, I think think it's exciting times in Sacramento. But some people with the disparities are still being left behind. And I'm a strong uh, proponent of if if anybody's behind, then we're not doing all we can. And so we, if we want to make our region great or keep it great, if some people think it's as great as it's going to get, you know, then we need to be concerned about the people at the bottom. 
Yeah. And that's what we need to be talking about, those communities that are suffering and people that for whatever reason, whether it's where they live or whether it's institutionalized racism or whether it's poverty, whatever reason that causes them to be at the bottom and left behind, then let's bring them up. And so Bill Black... Is doing that, and they're working around four pillows, uh, lifting the voice of youth, um, health equity and access, uh, police reform and policies, and then rebuilding community, uh, building communities and and black businesses. And so I think they're making great progress, and I should say they, we, and uh, we've had some very early wins. One is a partnership with the Kings and Kaiser and some other, and the city and others to do a lot around lifting the voices of, of youth. Uh, we have been able to have some dialogues. Uh, we are forming now a steering committee, and we're engaged in a strategic planning process because, remember, we're trying to put something together that's going to be really the infrastructure that's going to ha- make positive change that we can measure. And so um, we've also been, so while we're doing our strategic planning process over those four pillars, we're also engaging the larger community and and making sure that we are, are focusing on the right areas. So in the state, we've supported the... Um, the uh, use of force uh, bill that didn't get through this time, but it's not over yet. And and then we have come out in support of Measure U that will then be able to to have resources to not only um, um, build communities and neighborhoods that um, need investment, but also to to work on the quality of life for everybody as well as downtown and support other major um, investments throughout the community. So Bill Black is Bill Black 2, T-O-O, because we want to make sure and be intentional and deliberate that this group of people in pockets of our region, in the city, in the county, and throughout our region, that these underserved communities are not left behind and that there's equity for education, for housing and employment, and this quality of life that we all want to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's obviously wide-ranging and broad and just an incredibly important initiative that the, that the movement's taking on. Um, now, I, I want to shift gears just slightly. There, there are, I, I was so interested in, in getting your, your take on this. Um, there's no shortage of voices in our country that, that seem to imply, uh, I, I don't hear a lot of people saying it directly, but there's a lot of people implying that you have to choose between supporting law enforcement, supporting police officers, and, uh, and supporting the black community, the African-American community. I, I certainly don't believe that is true. Um, none of us in leadership at, at Bridgeway believe for, for a moment that is, that is true. Um, however, we, I mean, we recently, and, and just even throughout the last weeks and months, as we've sought to engage uh, different issues in our community. We get a lot of criticism from people who interpret our support of the African-American community as being anti-police. Um, that mindset I find confusing. I'm seeking to understand it. But I want to ask you, uh, what would you say to somebody 
with that sort of a mindset. He says that, well, if you're pro-African-American, then you need to be anti-police or, or vice versa. What would you say to somebody who, who thinks that way? Well, first I would say they're probably missing the point. Um, I don't think that being um, pro-African-American and and um, and for equality and equity is against the police. And I think that all the it's the bad policing. Uh, the unfair treatment that's not fair. I think that community policing and good policing is welcome in every community, including the African-American community. And, in fact, historically, I think what you have found is that um, certainly um, neighborhood safety and was in the utmost um uh, an issue to reduce crime in communities um, um, over time. And so I think, although I, I understand when people hear the cry, but I think what we're looking for is is good policing, which means fair policing, which means you don't discriminate, you don't target people, and you don't um, misjudge people because of the color of their skin or the clothes that they're wearing or or how they may look. And and I think there are many examples of um good community policing that helps to provide safe communities because we all want to live in a safe community. I don't think anybody wants to live in a commu- community that's not safe. Sure. I think that um uh, policing has um is still evolving, and and I think that there are a lot of practices that they can learn. So I would say to people is really look at what the issue is. And I think when I I started, I talked about yes, policing um, and the the shooting of the unarmed um, Stefan Clark was uh, traumatic for us, but we got to dig deeper than that to really see why does that happen. And when we understand that it's happening because of um, what what many think is biases and implicit bias and racism and misjudgment of a people, and, and then you can sort of see what the difference in the treatment is, that's the issue. It's not about whether there's police or no police. It's about how you respect and 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 look at a human being and how those disparities um, affect communities. Sure. Yeah. And so yeah. And so 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 um um I I think um um safety and security is priority for everyone including the black community. I think the cry out now is saying we don't want to be mistreated, we don't want to be misunderstood, and let's see and let's adopt the practices that don't um, misjudge people because of the color of their skin, and then you have uh, people lose their lives. And there are opportunities for different voices from different perspectives to work together to help 
policing be more effective and appropriate to help the way that communities interact with their with law enforcement to be more effective and appropriate. And and I guess my sense of it is is we can honor anybody from any perspective who is seeking to do good work in the community, who is who certainly those who are putting their lives on the line to protect the community, we can honor all of that while at the same time saying there seems to be some 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 challenges with the process here that are leading to these traumatic events. So we we need to all come to the table and say how do we how do we fix this? How do we make it better? I mean, do you feel like that's fair to say? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the beauty of even Build Black is that we have many voices and we all come from different perspectives. But I think at the I know at the end of the day, we just want a better community for all people, which includes black people. Yeah. And and so if we can bring our perspectives together, then we can work on seeing how in this um, dynamic and multifaceted world and community that we live in, how we can make it a better place. And so when you look at law enforcement, I mean, I think part of our goal is still being from the Urban League is we've been working to get more people of color along with our counterparts, Asian Resources and La Familia um, and the Urban League and cohorts and trying to get more of our community um, to want to be police officers. Yeah. And and then we have some that are on the force now, including our chief of police. And so we need to really bring those perspectives to the table so that the the culture of blue is really a culture of safety now. It's not of um of discrimination, it's not of implicit biases. So it's gonna require a lot of training, uh, because they put their lives on the line every day. And 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 I think about my job and what I have to do. Um, we take some risk, but it's not the same as you are taking people's lives in your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no, and so 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 I think if there's a if there's an understanding on both sides and including the police officers that they they have a huge job that they need to be constantly trained and they need to open up their minds to everything isn't perfect. Uh-huh. And so yeah. and and I think we can do that through dialogue, but I think the first thing we need to understand is that we all need to agree it's not perfect. And and there are some issues and let's talk about them and let's work towards um eliminating some of the, the the barriers and some of the things that are causing these injustices. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that, that, uh, that's good. Uh, shifting gears again, just a couple more, more last questions for you. Um, obviously, I'm a part, you know, a lot of us are part of the faith community in Sacramento. Our listeners are part of the faith community in Sacramento. What perspective on, on what role kind of the broader faith community has taken uh, in advancing uh, racial justice in our in our region. Well, I I think the faith community is has played a, a huge ro- um, role, whether it's with the bombing of the synagogue or gangs and violence in the streets or shootings like the Stefan Clark Eve. Uh, the faith community has come out one to to help. Um, 
pray with the community to help lead and help support. Um, I would say that I think, and, and it's all been very important, I think that the faith community should continue and even have a larger presence in the leadership of how we can get through this. And so I I think one is obviously they need to pray for guidance and direction for not only the the purpose of the movement but for the in all of us that are involved and then i think it would be just um awesome to see more and 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 it's already happening but let's keep it up let's let's make sure that it's deliberate just like the faith community just like um bishop parnell lovelace has joined us so he can bring the perspective and he can bring voices and be a part of the movement. And then I would say the faith community needs to engage and expose um, our people more. We need to cross-pollinate a little more and mm-hmm. and in in throughout the region, whether it's the north or the south, whether it's the Baptist or the community church or uh, or the synagogue and the mosque, uh, we need to come together, and I know that there are, there are many coalitions and organizations that come, but let's bring that to the communities in a real way for change. And I give you some examples. Um, I know many people of faith. Uh, now we walk every Friday for peace in Oak Park, and that's a community in South Sacramento. And there are people from many faiths and other communities that come in to walk. We just walk an hour and then begins you get to engage and expose and then you know best how to um, participate, whether it's in housing, whether it's in education, whether it's in speaking out, or whether it's in coming up with some major sort of activities that begin to really be transformational and or support other organizations because there are lots of organizations that are doing good work. If we can be more deliberate about that work and be able to measure some of the outcomes, then I think um, the, the, that then we are moving the needle in the right direction. And I think the faith community, and historically, I mean, you got the, the ministers gathered in Mississippi way back in the civil rights days. Um, Martin Luther King and Jesse Jackson, they had lots of different faith leaders come from all across the country uh, to join in in, um, in not only advocating and protesting for the um, injustices, against the injustices, but then moving forward for change. And I think that's where we find ourselves today. Obviously, um, we have more tools because of communication and education and all of those, but at the end of the day, it's the same, same. It's like, how do we come together as a powerful force of action that will be able to provide sustainable change? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, yeah, I mean, and as you sort of alluded to, it takes so many different voices from so many different perspectives, different parts of the city coming together, exploring those questions together and, and really seeking to say, okay, how can all of us be, uh, we, we recognize problems in our community. How can all of us be part of the solution, right? Right, right. And then and picking a role and sometimes, and I think I mentioned when I was there earlier, I mean, you can, um, you know, you can take, you can donate, you can volunteer, you can 
have a whole uh, program activity that is around. I think in Bill Black, when we come up with our strategic plan, there's going to be a lots of room for for people to engage. Let's say it's lifting the the voices of the youth. If we all lifted voices of the youth and made sure it was diverse and it was facilitated and it was empowering and engaging of youth, um, just think where we would be. And then have that ongoing conversation because having one conversation isn't going to cure evils, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's making it okay and comfortable, providing safe places for youth and being intentional about engaging all people. Yeah. And and sometimes making people uncomfortable. And that's what the faith community can do because we love each other. We 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 honor God and we and you know, and we have a mission to really help the the underserved and, and to be fair and justice and love one another. So um you know, I think because the faith community is driven um, from the principles um, of faith, that we have a huge opportunity for healing for our community, uh, which we need lots of that in many ways. And some people don't even know they need to be healed because they don't think they're part of the problem. So, you know, it's yeah. like, um, yeah. and that's what the faith community can really step up and, and do as well. And then, uh, like again, make yourself available. And we all need to challenge ourselves. Go somewhere that may make you a little uncomfortable. Because until we really understand it, we may think that um, coming out for one way may mean you're against another. But that that... That's not so. And I think if you're able to to really um, understand it, and for some it might mean you need to draw closer to it, then that might be a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well said. Um, as we wrapped up our, our four-week ser- Sunday night series um, a bit ago, we had all sorts of people asking us, okay, you've presented us all this information. We, we see that there are all these challenges. What can we do? How can we get involved? Now we know this stuff. We feel sort of this urgency to, to act and to, to get involved. And we've pointed people to some different resources. I just want to ask you as we, we wrap up here, wh- where can people go to learn more about the Greater Sacramento Urban League and, and particularly those who are compelled to get involved? Where, where can they go to explore some opportunities to, to be a part of the solutions that you're talking about? Well, we we do have a website. Um, it's www.gsul.org. Greater Sacramento Urban League. Those initials, gsul.org. We also have a Facebook and a Twitter, and shame on me that I don't have it right in front of me. I'm sorry. Um, but but we, we do have one if you just look up Greater Sacramento Urban League to try to keep you informed. We have several locations, but our headquarters is in Del Paso Heights at 3725 Marysville Boulevard. And obviously we have a number as well, 916-286-8600. And... Um, we have lots of um, programs and opportunities. We have a huge building here with services, and we are connected and partner with lots of organizations 
and obviously are one of the founding and um, steering committee leaders of Build Black, which we really want to just improve our, make it a better community uh, for all and build the, the black community within our larger community. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, well, thank you, uh, Cassandra, so much again for, for your time today. Uh, absolutely honored to be able to have you uh, on our podcast. Thanks again for being part of Healing an Ethnically Wounded Nation. And, and most of all, uh, just I, I don't need to tell you this, but I will anyway. You're doing unbelievable work um, in, our, in our city and, and, and for the community and the country and, and just very, very grateful for you. So, so thank you for, for all that you do. You're, you're, you're an inspiration. And, and more than that, you're, you're affecting just incredibly important change. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for caring. And thank you for following up on this very, very important issue in our community. Thank you. Yep, happy to do it. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.